It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. I think you almost all know that, but you never know when you get some new listeners because hopefully... Some of you are spreading the word via social media by retweeting me at Ross Tucker NFL or the podcast network's handle at Ross Tucker Pod. Another epic even money podcast yesterday. Back to back weeks in the black for both Steve Fezzik and myself to start the year. Awesome. We, of course, have the Ross Tucker football podcast every day, including Greg Cosell, Manana. This is the show that's so nice. We do it twice, Joe and I, back to back, baby. You can check us out, like I said, on social media. We post this one right away. So early afternoon on Wednesday for the Thursday night game and all of the Sunday 1 o'clock games. And then after midnight, so your podcast apps don't go bananas, we will post the Sunday late games, the Sunday nighter, and the Monday Nighter, which is the Eagles and the Cowboys this week. So that's why we do it. Two episodes. Joe gives you the fantasy-relevant information for every guy. For every guy that we need to actually talk about. Like Christian McCaffrey, what is there to say? We're not talking about him. But everybody else we should talk about that is relevant. Joe, of course, is one of the co-owners of Fantasy points.com which is by far the best website and for sure unequivocally the best value in fantasy football information fantasypoints.com just make sure when you go over there and sign up like I know a lot of you already have you use the glorious code 21 feast speaking joe of glorious we have the texans and davis Mills at quarterback hosting the Carolina Panthers. What a world that Davis Mills is starting an NFL game on Thursday, September 23rd already. But here it is. Um, What do we need to know, Joe, about this one? I'm sure uh, everybody's ready. Get the hot and readies out for this one. People are going to be piling up uh, in front of their televisions and uh, gathering to watch this. Um, when it comes to the Texans, let's, let's just put it this way. Um, our guy, Greg Cosell, uh, he said, um, you know, Davis Mills has traits, but he thought he might have benefited from another year in college. Now he's getting thrown to the Wolves against, by the way, a Carolina defense that, according to Sports Info Solutions, has generated a pressure on 76.6% of opponent dropbacks thus far, which is number one in the NFL. So Matt Rule's got this defense working so far. Um, I'm not sure it's a great spot for Davis Mills. Uh, the good news for uh, for the Texans is Davis Mills threw 18 passes last week after coming in cold. Nine of them were in the direction of Brandon Cooks. So that's good news. Um, one of them was a touchdown. That's good news. The bad news is those nine targets resulted in just 28 yards which is 3.1 yards per target. So um, Brandon Cooks is a wide receiver three on the low end. If you are dying for a running back from the Texans, they are eight-point underdogs in this game. They have a four-man rotation, Ross. Four-man. 
Mark Ingram, David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, and Rex Burkhead. They're eight-point underdogs. David Johnson leads the lot with 27 routes run, and Burkhead is second with 17. Um, David Johnson's the guy if you want a running back here. But for me, it's Brandon Cooks or Bust, and I'm not excited to play Brandon Cooks either. What about for Carolina when they're on offense? Yeah, hello. Uh, Sam Darnold's starting to play pretty well. Uh, obviously, you know, playing McCaffrey, 59 touches in two games. He played 71% of the snaps uh, last week, despite having to leave uh, to go get uh, hydrated because he had cramps. So, obviously, you're playing him. Uh, I think Sam Darnold's a fantasy option this week if you're streaming quarterbacks. Uh, Darnold, um, uh, by the way, look at this. 12th best in on-target throws per SIS, 80%. Uh, when in a clean pocket, and he's seventh best in passer rating when in a clean pocket. The Texans are generating pressure on just 30% of opponent dropbacks, which is seventh worst in the NFL. Now, so Sam Darnold, to me, is a good streaming quarterback option this week. He's not top 12 for me, but he's on the, he's on the verge. What we're starting to learn here is about their receivers, um, and DJ Moore is the guy you want. DJ Moore has 21 tar- has 19 targets, rather, to go to with Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall, each have nine. And Moore's getting the easier targets. He was the primary deep threat last year with a 13.6 average depth of target. This year, it's at 9.5. He's fantastic after the catch. Those targets are juicy. He's a wide receiver one in this matchup. On the flip side, Robbie Anderson has an A dot of 21.9. That is third highest among wide receivers. If that continues for Robbie, he's going to need to hit a big play. He did that in week one. He didn't do it in week two. He is a dart throw wide receiver three at this point. Let's keep it moving and get to Sunday's slate. By the way, Joe, I've been tweeting some Derrick Henry stats today at Ross Tucker NFL. It's just like you should. Have you ever seen what he did in high school? Oh, yeah. His last year at Alabama. Like it is. This is the third straight year he leads the NFL in touches and in and, and carries you know he did the last two years and he's durable he never gets hurt he's still I, I keep thinking he's gonna drop off man it doesn't happen well the thing about Derrick Henry by the way is um and, and I presume we're talking Colts Titans yes sorry yeah, okay. Colts Titans yeah, one o'clock right. Sunday so the thing about Derrick Henry is obviously he's game script dependent uh we know what his listen to this Derrick Henry's fantasy point totals in the Titans' last six wins is 34.1 fantasy points per game. That's his average, not his total. 34.1 fantasy points per game. In in their last six losses, 11.2 fantasy points per game. Derrick Henry is literally three times more productive over the Titans' last six wins than he is in their last six losses. So... You view him as game script dependent. That's the term we use. But here's the issue. What makes him different? Derrick Henry was the game script against Seattle. He's the reason they won that game. It wasn't because they came out throwing and all of a sudden were building a lead. Derrick Henry was the reason they won that game. Derrick Henry matters. I know that. But it just has to be in a situation where he's able to rip off one of those chunk runs and then everything else comes uh, after it. So we're looking at Indianapolis, Tennessee. Uh, I'm looking at Tennessee right now as a five and a half point favorite. Um, uh, Obviously, they're mixing in with the Carson Wentz injury, uh, what that means. So Derrick Henry is a phenomenal option this week. Uh, I think at wide receiver, 
AJ Brown's been a little bit of a disappointment thus far. Julio, after looking um, not so hot in week one, looked great in week two, got screwed out of a touchdown. Um, so I'm looking at those guys as you both got to fire them up as wide receiver twos. And Ryan Tanhill's a viable option this week as well. But with the Titans as favorites, I mean, this is always when you're going to see Derrick Henry getting rostered in a massive amount of DFS lineups. Well, he should, Joe. I mean, he is our DraftKings performance of the week yeah. presented by Bacardi Spiced Rum, which, by the way, is delicious. Absolutely delicious. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bacardi Spiced Rum. Anyway, this is the DraftKings performance of the week. Last week, Joe, 35 carries, 182 yards, three touchdowns, six receptions, 55 yards on six targets. Joey was $8,300, 50.7 fantasy points, 50.7 fantasy points, which is why he was our DraftKings performance of the week presented oh. by Bacardi Spiced Rum. I mean, the guys and, the way, the Ross, team, and they need him. He's gone over 100 yards in each of his last three games against the Colts. Right. Uh, and, and he might be he might five. be the Bacardi performance of the week again this week. Yeah, he's going to be chalk this week though. Last week, um, after his disappointing week one, he was a GPP winner because he was not heavily rostered, uh, because of, of you know the Titans were underdogs, and but you know that's what happens sometimes. Derrick Henry, yeah, he's 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 game script dependent, but in a game like last week, he was the game script. He was the reason that t- the Titans won that game. What about the Colts on the other side? Your boy Carson Wentz has two sprained ankles. We don't know if he'll play or not. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes this hard to, to, to really handicap here because Michael Pittman had a really good game last week, by the way. And you would think Michael Pittman's going to have an opportunity against these Titan corners to get open, but what happens if Jacob Beeson's the quarterback? I want to throw a stat out here, by the way, uh, for the Colts, and it's not a great one. I'm not sure who to blame for it. Um Jonathan Taylor leads the NFL in carries inside his opponent's five-yard line. He has turned those eight carries into negative one rushing yards and no touchdowns. The Colts have been abominable in the red zone. Carson Wentz threw an interception on a shovel pass last week. On the play where he got rolled up on by Aaron Donald, he very nearly threw another interception. That's just in Carson Wentz's DNA. Um, I think the offensive line has struggled more than we thought it would. Um, sometimes I think Carson Wentz is a quarterback who makes offensive lines look worse. But the Jonathan Taylor stat is also indicating that this offensive line is struggling. The Colts are scrambling. They played Marlon Mack 20% of the snaps last week. Uh, the vibes are not good on this team. They're not good for Jonathan Taylor right now, who to me is like a mid to low end RB2 in this matchup. What about Falcons and the Giants, Joe? You know, the Falcons actually showed some life. I thought Matt Ryan played pretty well before the pick six is at the end of the game. Um, you know, the Giants, the vibes here are just nuclear. Kenny Galladay's yelling at Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett on the sideline. But given this matchup, I wonder if this is a little bit of a grease the squeaky wheel kind of thing for Kenny Galladay. I wouldn't be stunned if they come out and make it a plan to throw the ball to Kenny Galladay uh, at the beginning of this game. Uh, just to, it's not a bad matchup. You know, the Falcons pressure the quarterback at the lowest rate in the entire NFL. Um, so Daniel Jones is going to have time. You know, I think Kenny Galladay is realizing that what, what he had with Matthew Stafford was a guy who's willing to uncork it to one of the best contested catch receivers in the NFL. The thing about contested catch receivers is oftentimes they're not wide ass open. He's, make, he's almost never open. Yeah, like they they 
you know, and I think he got frustrated because he was open on a couple of plays and Jones didn't throw him the ball. But yeah, this is a guy who made his hay by getting himself open when the ball was in the air by out by out rebounding uh, uh, defensive backs. And Daniel Jones stylistically just hasn't gotten there uh, the way Matthew Stafford did. So I wonder if this is a grease the squeaky wheel game for Kenny Galladay. Just throwing that out there. Um, Sterling Shepard remains Daniel Jones's guy. He's a strong wide receiver, two, three option. Evan Ingram might play this week. I'm not interested until I see it. Saquon Barkley, the usage was phenomenal. He got 81% of the snaps in week two. I think you can fire him up. Keep in mind, Philadelphia crushed Atlanta on the ground in week one with a mobile quarterback. And while Jalen Hurts is more mobile than Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones got it done on the ground last week. So I would anticipate, I would hope, Jason Garrett, uh, far be it from me to for to give Jason Garrett good ideas, but I would hope he uses that quarterback run game to really open things up. I think it's a good week for Saquon Barkley. I think it's a good week for Daniel Jones if you want to play those two guys. Daniel Jones we have ranked pretty high this week. I got Saquon Barkley ranked the highest we've ranked him so far this season. And I think Daniel Jones is kind of a DFS option this week. Um, and I think Saquon Barkley is too. And I don't think Saquon Barkley is going to be used all that much. What about, um, well, you mentioned Atlanta. Yeah. Anything more to say about the Falcons? Yeah. Um, so here's the interesting thing in the backfield. Um, Mike Davis has a 62% snap share. And Cordero Patterson has a 33% snap share. But Cordaro Patterson is currently the RB10 because he scored two touchdowns. And I think Cordaro Patterson right now is kind of their third option in the passing game behind Kyle Pitts and behind Calvin Ridley. Uh, Pitts and Ridley, you got to use them both. Like, I mean, we, you saw last week, they, they each played better than they did against Philadelphia. Um, but Cordaro Patterson is a guy who was a popular waiver wire pickup this week. Don't be shocked if he starts to steal more touches from Mike Davis. Interesting, Joe. Let's get to, oh boy, oh baby, Chargers and the Chiefs, mm-hmm. Sunday at one. Well, uh, how fun to watch is Justin Herbert. Very. I mean, this guy, I now the Chargers had some red zone problems. They lost two touchdowns to penalties against the Cowboys last week. Um, but, I mean, Justin Herbert is just outrageous to watch. I mean, this guy's throwing turkey hole shots across his, across the field 50 yards. And, Ross, this thing gets 10 feet off the ground. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It's like a Tiger Woods one-iron stinger. I mean, it's unbelievable the way this guy can throw the football. Um, you know what you're doing with their receivers, though. Keenan Allen, over 100 yards last week, surprisingly on only four catches against the Cowboys. But Mike... Williams, big Mike Williams, you know, uh, Joe Lombardi comes out in the, in the uh, uh, preseason and he's like, you know, I think this guy could be an X receiver. You know, we can, we can use him in the, in the Michael Thomas role that, that he, we had in new Orleans. What has he done so far? 12 targets in week one, eight for 82 and a touchdown, 10 targets in week two, seven for 91 and a touchdown. Mike Williams is out there, man. He's in your lineup uh, until look, I know he's had the injury problems, but he is balling right now. Mike Williams has got to be in your lineup. You're playing Eckler. Great news uh, last week on Austin Eckler. Eckler wasn't targeted in week number one uh, against um, against the football team. They, they didn't target him um, coming off the uh, hamstring. Maybe they were taking care of him a little bit. Well, what did he do in week two? 
He had as many targets as he had carries. He had as many receptions as he had carries. That was nine. And he had more receiving yards than he had rushing yards, 61 to 54. Austin Eckler is a slam dunk RB1. And of course, Justin Herbert in a projected shootout is going to be in your lineup. Let's talk Chiefs, Joe. I, I'm wondering about what happens with Edwards Elaire after that horrible fumble late. Yeah. Um, I, I just wonder if it's ever going to happen. Now, um, you can always look at two sides of the coin here for Edwards Alaire. Um, number one, the Chargers play a lot of cover uh, of two deep safety. Okay. They play a lot of split safety, cover two, cover four, cover six. Last week, it was evident to me, Ross, that the Cowboys decided we were going to come out and run the ball against two deep safety. They had a lot of success doing that, running the ball against two deep safety. Could the Chiefs do the same thing against Brandon Staley's defense? Could Andy Reid say, look, there was a terrible fumble by Edwards Hilaire. We're going to try to get him going. On the flip side, could he say, this kid's got to learn a lesson. We're giving the ball to Darrell Williams. Ultimately, I think Edwards Alaire is a low, low end RB2 at this point. I've got to see it, you know. Um, it's been disappointing thus far, but I've got to see it from him. And then otherwise, you know what you're doing. Kelsey, um, you're putting Tyreek Hill in your lineup, and obviously you're putting Patrick Mahomes in your lineup. You know, Miko Hardman, in, in a game where 71 points were scored, five for 55 on eight targets, at least he got the eight targets, but that guy's a fantasy dart throw at best. Let's get to... As we keep it moving, Joe, the next game on the slate, it's the Bengals, whose offensive line is still not good, at the Steelers, whose offensive line is still not still good. Still not good, yeah. Um, so the Bengals, uh, Joe Burrow's target distribution so far um, this, this season is T. Higgins 15, Tyler Boyd 13, Jamar Chase 11, Joe Mixon 6. Um that's pretty good. I mean, it's narrow. T. Higgins has now played in 10 career games with Joe Burrow and is averaging 16.1 fantasy points per game. Um, T. Higgins is in your lineup. Tyler Boyd is in your lineup. Jamar Chase is in your lineup. By the way, Jamar Chase is balling. I know he only caught two passes last week. One of them was a touchdown. That guy is that guy is really good. Um, and he'll continue to be operating as their kind of X receiver. And how about this stat? I know it wasn't pretty last week. Joe Mixon has been on the field for 84% of the Bengals' pass plays. He was only at 55% when healthy last year. That is a major uptick in usage for Joe Mixon. Some hmm. games it won't happen statistically. You know, I think we saw Burrow throw three bad picks. Um, I think it was the first time in his NFL or college career he's thrown three or more picks in a game. He's still getting his feet under him. It's not the best matchup uh, here against Pittsburgh. Um, but you know, Joe Mixon, maybe you downgrade him a little bit because of that. Yeah, you know, I'm not excited to play Burrow, but I don't think you have a choice but to load up on these receivers because any one of them can go off any particular week. And as we saw, um, you know, in weeks one and two, two of them can go off, sometimes all three. You're not upset if you played any of those three last week, uh, for Cincinnati, despite Burrow throwing three interceptions. What about the Steelers, Joe? What I mean, Ugh. Ben Roethlisberger just came out while we're recording this and said he's going to do everything he can to try to play on Sunday. Oh, that song and dance. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's playing poorly, so an injury pops up. He's got a he's got a pec injury. Uh, actually, Ben Roethlisberger's A dot is actually up this year, seven point eight over seven point zero last year. 
the only real difference is they're throwing the ball to Claypool down the field like four times a game as opposed to once a game. Um, who knows about Deontay Johnson? That guy acts like he got hit by a bus four times a game. Um, it's hard to know when Deontay Johnson is actually hurt or if he's going to come back. Um, Mike Tomlin said this week he was doing better but not great with the knee injury. So that's something we got to watch. If Deontay doesn't go, obviously that's a tick up for Claypool and for Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, you would think this is a secondary, the Cincinnati secondary, that Pittsburgh can exploit. The question is, can Ben Roethlisberger exploit this secondary? And Najee Harris is, uh, as many feared, struggling to find room to run behind a uh, behind a bad offensive line. The Bengals have done a good job on the ground, by the way. Their linebacking core has been very well. Wilson's Logan Wilson's been doing a great job uh, at the second level. They have given up the same exact carries and yardage to both Dalvin Cook and David Montgomery. 20 for 61. Those are two good running backs. So I'm not 100% sure Najee Harris is going to find a ton of room to run here. And if you're looking on the waiver wire, just one name that needs to be thrown out there is Pat Fryermuth. His usage is up. Um, that is somebody who I think you should be interested in on the waiver wire if you're struggling at the tight end position. Chicago is at Cleveland. The Bears aren't saying it, but I am, Joe. It's going to be Justin Fields at quarterback, and I need to know what that means. Is he a DFS option? Does it mean anything for other people? What are we doing? Uh, he's he's a DFS option. He's a regular season option. Um, this is what people were waiting for. Now, you weren't you, you weren't hurt hoping Andy Dalton got hurt. You weren't waiting for Andy Dalton to get injured. But you knew at some point this was going to happen. Justin Fields was going to Wally Pip Andy Dalton. Now, the, Be- the Bears can say it all they want. They can say, you know, oh, this is Andy Dalton's job when he's healthy. Let's just say Justin Fields comes out and goes 18 for 25 for 215 and a touchdown and adds 60 yards on the ground in this game. Is Andy Dalton start next week? No, he's not. This is Justin Fields' opportunity to take this job and run with it, and I'm more excited about this offense in general with uh, Justin Fields under center. Um, Allen Robinson had got just four targets last week. Of course, he dropped a touchdown from Justin Fields. Um, David Montgomery played 80% of the snaps with the Bears as a favorite. I'm not sure what, how that's going to happen. Uh, the way I'm looking at them as a touchdown underdog on the road at Cleveland. So I wonder if Damian Williams is going to play a little bit more if they're playing from behind. Um, uh, so Justin Fields, by the way, including the preseason, has played on 139 snaps so far. That's about two full games for a high-paced team. He's accumulated 22-126-2 as a runner. He is going to produce on the ground for fantasy. Justin Fields should be rostered in all formats. I am starting him this week in one of my leagues, a 14-team league, and I am excited to start Justin Fields. By the way, Darnell Mooney, he had another, he had a bad drop too, just like Allen Robinson, but he's played on virtually every snap so far and has been actually the target leader for the Chicago Bears. And not only that, Joe, the, the Browns' defense hasn't been great. Uh, especially on the back end. What about them offensively? Jarvis Landry went on IR. Yeah. We think Odell Beckham Jr. might play this week. So there's a lot of intrigue there at receiver. Yeah. So here's the problem with the Browns. It's like they're you think they're a good team, but who is there to catch passes? Their target leader through two games, Ross, has eight targets. That's Austin Hooper. 
and David Njoku. David Njoku led their tight ends in targets in week one. He led their team in catches, and he led the team in receiving yards. He was third among tight ends in those categories in week two. What are we supposed to do here? It is a it is a receiving group by committee at wide receiver. It's a receiving group by committee at tight end. In the backfield, though, Kareem Hunt hasn't been used as much as you think on passing downs. Nick Chubb has been used more. This is a Nick Chubb spot. They're seven-point favorites at home. They don't have Baker's most reliable receiver, Jarvis Landry. Odell should be back. What does that mean for fantasy? I probably want to see it first. But, I mean, this is a Nick Chubb spot. And for a team that I think is pretty good, I'm not really sure who else to play for fantasy. Just one guy to keep an eye out for. He scored a touchdown on a screen pass on his first career target. That's Demetric Felton, the rookie running back slash wide receiver out of UCLA. I wouldn't be shocked if he plays slot receiver uh, in, in the stead of Jarvis Landry while Landry's on IR for the next three weeks with an MCL injury. Interesting. Okay. Um, another one o'clock game. It's the Ravens. Boy, that was an awesome game yeah. Sunday night. Love being in the booth for games like that. Ravens at the Detroit Lions. Let's start with the Ravens. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think, if you go back and look, I don't think that would be Lamar Jackson's best game ever. But it's one we're going to remember where he's out there. You know, the offensive line is dinged up. We know what's happened to that backfield. Um and he's out there just creating plays and never stopping competing. You know, he made some really bad throws in that game. The pick six to Matthew. Um, he was completely fooled on the coverage on the second interception to Matthew down at the goal line. But he just kept coming back. And this is why you draft Lamar Jackson. Because, you know, you watch him run. Ross, you were there in the booth. There, I can't imagine there's a quarterback who comes anywhere close to moving like him. No, I mean, Kyler Murray. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Th- those those are the two guys. But Lamar's a lot bigger than Kyler yeah. Murray. He's a longer strider. I love Greg Roman. I I love the offense. It's it's it is so fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, and and he just he's a longer strider. So like he just eats up ground. You know, Kyler's got those really chippy choppy stop, uh, steps because his legs are so short. But Lamar's got that longer strider and just outruns people. Um, the Ravens are easy for me. I mean, there's there's really five guys, and I think you can play them all. Um, the, the question would be in the backfield. Tyson Williams still looks like he has the most juice to me. I thought Latavius Murray looked a lot better in week two than he did in week one. Murray's going to be involved at the goal line, which really hurts Williams' touchdown equity. But Tyson Williams is getting targets. Um, and I think he's a pretty good receiver. So I think Tyson Williams is like an, a low-end RB2. I think Latavius Murray is a prayer flex if you need him. How about Hollywood Brown? How about his performance? Yeah. Over he's, his... start, he's starting to cook and click. Yeah. By the way, real, real quick before we go back to Hollywood Brown, two things on, on Tyson Williams. Number one, okay. since I called the game, it's evidently Tyson, like S-A-H-N, Tyson Williams, okay, Tyson. not Tyson Williams. Uh, you know, I had to know the pronunciation when I'm doing their game. Secondly, they were getting frustrated with him, Joe. There okay. were a few times where he was bouncing it outside when he needed to hit it up in there, and I saw it, and I saw them say it to him. So just something to keep an eye on. He has a lot of ability. I think they yeah. like him. 
He just needs to keep hitting up in there like the old Gus bus did. Yeah, and I think, you know, there. That, thank you for that tidbit, by the way, Ross, because I might use that uh, because I think you probably trust Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman to do those things. The question is, you know, do you sacrifice that natural running ability that Williams has, that juice? Um and and that's that's a that's a fair question. Uh, Hollywood Hollywood Brown. So he comes into this game injured, still puts up a huge game. Over his last ten games, including the playoffs, he's averaging seventeen point one fantasy points per game. Hasn't dipped below twelve point five. That's really important because I think we view Hollywood Brown as somebody who's like, uh, you know, he's a big play guy, and if he doesn't hit the big play, that hasn't been the case. He's been consistent. That 17.1 fantasy point per game average over his last 10 games, it is equivalent to what DK Metcalf scored last year. DK Metcalf was the wide receiver nine in fantasy points per game last year. Literally over his last 10 games, Hollywood Brown is operating as a wide receiver one. Wow. That's awesome. They need that. They need that. I'm happy Mm -hmm. for him. What about Detroit offensively? Uh, They're fun bad. I mean, <laughs> like, no, seriously, TJ Hawkinson, you know, is going to dominate this year. DeAndre Swift's getting it done in the passing game. Um, I hope this game is high scoring. I hope Detroit gives up a lot of points because if he does, DeAndre Swift's going to get targets. TJ Hawkinson's going to get targets. Jamal Williams is going to get carries and targets. Um, Hawkinson, you have to play. Um, he In this game, Mark Andrews is on the other side been a little bit of a disappointment for fantasy purposes tj hawkinson's the better tight end play in this game deandre swift's the best running back play in this game in my opinion because i think he'll catch a bunch of passes um jamal williams is more of a flex one guy to watch out for i mean you know baltimore struggling with injuries in the secondary quintez cephas is making plays you know he almost had an odell beckham like catch uh on monday night against the packers but he scored touchdowns in each of the first two games this is his opportunity to take this and run with it as the Lions' top outside option on the perimeter. Love it. Um, before we get to New Orleans and, and New England, which is interesting, I do want to mention, big fan of PicksWise these days. It's the best app out there for sports betting picks if you just want something like that. Obviously, I know a lot of you listen to the Even Money podcast. But every game, every day, and every sport loaded with best bets, props, and parlays, you can find in-depth analysis on every game, all for free. Found your pick? Search the latest sportsbook promotions they have to sign up for an account, compare the odds, and finally place your bet. Download the free PicksWise app now to make your next bet better. PicksWise backs responsible gambling. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Saints, what a difference a week makes against the Patriots, Joe. Uh, I'm oh, Ross, I hate this team right now, the Saints, because they've given us two completely opposite game scripts and two completely uncommon game scripts. You've got one where you blow out the Green Bay Packers. You don't have to run plays. And then you got another where you get blown out by Carolina and you can't run plays. Jameis Winston has thrown 42 passes in two games. That is outrageous in the NFL this day and age. Uh, They average 3.0 yards per play against Carolina. Um, They've run the fewest plays in the NFL. What is this team? I don't know. And we haven't seen their baseline. We haven't seen them in a competitive game. So I have no idea what this team is. Um, Obviously, you're playing Alvin Kamara. 
you know, people are disappointed because we talked up Marquez Callaway all offseason. And you know what? He might end up being a bust. But here's the way I look at it. Jameis Winston has thrown 42 passes. Callaway's been targeted six times. That's one out of every seven passes. So, I mean, if Jameis Winston threw 42 passes in a game and Callaway had six targets, we'd be like, yeah, sure. All right, there we go. You know, it's it's just not clicking for them offensively. And, and in week one, it didn't have to. You know, Jameis is Green Bay's turning the ball over. They're getting sacked. And Jameis is throwing five touchdowns. And then in week two, they can't do anything. Um, the one thing I will point out about the Saints in week two, Jawan Johnson ran more routes and saw more targets than Adam Troutman. Jawan Johnson's season is upon us. Ooh, okay. What about the Patriots? They didn't do much offensively last week. They're just kind of pounding it with the backs. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, talk about a bad beat. Uh, I had um, Jacoby Myers over four and a half catches, and I think on the first two drives he caught four, and I'm like, yeah, baby, let's go. Let's go, and then he ends with four. <laughs> oh, man. That was a frustrating one. Yeah, because as you said, Ross – they pounded it with the running backs. Good to know. Damian, uh, uh, Damian Harris, um, after the fumble that cost them the game the week previous, comes out and he's the lead back. 16 for 62 and a touchdown. Um, one for two and uh, uh, receiving. He's not going to get it done as a receiver. But there's no reason for the Patriots to go away from this switch. Uh, Dave, uh, from this uh, balance, rather. Damian Harris and James White in the backfield. I think Damian Harris is a good RB2. Probably touchdown dependent. That guy looks really good. James White is back to being James White. Six catches for 45 yards, five uh, five rushes for 20 yards and a touchdown. That guy was one of the most undervalued assets all fantasy season. All we needed was Mac Jones to take this job. Mac Jones took the job. Damian uh, James White is now a really good PPR running back flex. Okay, I like it. All right, let's get to Arizona at Jacksonville. Man, Arizona, their schedule has been nice to start the year. Now they play at Jacksonville. What do we got for Arizona? Uh, so Arizona, I mean, Kyler Murray is on his way to just like an outrageous fantasy season. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what else to say. Like, uh, it, 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 he's he's just he's out there. He's throwing. Um, he's just he's heat check. He's throwing, he's throwing Steph uh, Curry heat checks. Um, and he's, it's like Steph Curry throwing the ball from, um, it's like Steph Curry taking uh, three pointers from the, uh, from the logo, from the NBA logo. Kyler Murray is always going to throw Ross a couple of bad intercepts. Sorry. My wife was driving me nuts with texts there. So I'm, I'm <laughs> got a little bit distracted. She's yelling at me while I'm doing a podcast. Um, uh, but uh, Kyler Murray, is always going to throw a couple bad interceptions because he's going to um, look to make the big play. It's it's part of his DNA. It's going to happen. But now he's got Hopkins out there. He's got AJ Green still doesn't really do it for me. Um, Christian Kirk is going to be inconsistent. The guy who is really intriguing to me is Rondale Moore, who is still playing the fourth no, no, uh, uh, most snaps among wide receivers here, running the fourth, fourth most routes, but he is making plays at an absurdly efficient level, Ross, just like absurdly efficient level. Um, it, it's it, His, his uh, yards per route run is among the league leaders. I know he scored the 77-yard touchdown on a busted play. That's not going to happen every week, but he is earning more touches Rondell Moore is somebody I want to pick up off the waiver wire right now, if at all possible. And by the way, if you're looking for kind of a game script type of deal, 
Arizona is a seven-point favorite here on the road. Maybe James Conner gets in the end zone in this one if you're looking for a low-end DFS uh, punt play. Washington at Buffalo. Oh, no, we didn't even get to the Jaguars. Gosh, that's bad. Jaguars, Joe. I mean, uh... I mean, yeah. I mean, look, Arizona's defense in week two looked more like I thought it would in week one. They're, they have problems at the cornerback position. I think that's probably good news for Marvin Jones and DJ Chark. Um, Chark uh, leads, by the way, the NFL in uncatchable target percentage. So um, he and he and Lawrence are just not on the same page. Um, Marvin Jones is a great value on DFS this week, by the way. And I think he's going to be super chalky in a game where I think Jacksonville is going to have to throw it. But um, he's about all I'm interested in in Jacksonville. At the very least, Jacksonville ended up um, ended up giving the ball more to James Robinson. I, I, I mean, he's not somebody I'm excited to play, but you can play him as a flex. Let's get to uh, the final game in the 1 o'clock slate like I was about to do. Yeah. Washington at Buffalo. Tell me about Taylor Heineke, Joe. Uh, he runs around. He makes some plays. I mean, I, I think you can say stylistically he's kind of similar to Fitzpatrick. I don't think his arms is good. But, you know, I'm not upset about what Terry McLaurin does. Um, uh, About Terry McLaurin, rather, and Logan Thomas with Taylor Heineke in the lineup. Like, I mean, I think you can play all these guys. Uh, I don't think it's a great matchup. I think Buffalo's done a good job so far this year. Um, it's a tough matchup for McLaurin. You got Tredavious White out there. So maybe you do a little bit of a downgrade there. But, you know, I think Taylor Heineke can keep this team afloat. We saw that in, in, in quarterbacking them the victory against the Giants. The, the, the tough news is I would love to love Deami Brown, but Adam Humphreys is now involved. He got eight targets last week. Um, beyond McLaurin and, and Logan Thomas, I'm really struggling to find a receiver I'm comfortable with here. Now let's talk about how frustrated I am. Why can't J.D. McKissick just go away? I mean, Antonio Gibson looks great out there, and McKissick's the hurry-up back. I don't know what to say. I mean, McKissick gets the two-minute – he gets the touchdown. I was so mad watching that. Antonio Gibson has every trait you want. He just doesn't have the backfield to himself, and that is frustrating for me. I don't think McKissick's going away. Why would he? He continues to produce. That is frustrating as hell for fantasy. What about the Bills? They got back on track, Joe. They look like the Bills. And I got to tell you, you know, last year, David Montgomery surprised me because he showed a lot more juice than he did as a rookie. This year, Devin Singletary drank the same juice that David Montgomery drank last year. Singletary looks so much more explosive, Joe. Yeah, and but the question is, is Buffalo going to run it? it? Or is that in their DNA? And now Zach Moss is back and involved in the backfield. You know, he wasn't – Zach Moss in um in week one was inactive. He was a semi-healthy scratch. I think they said, like, his conditioning wasn't up to snuff, you know, after the offseason injury. Um, but now he's back and involved. He's got He scored two touchdowns despite losing a fumble, so they didn't doghouse him. So he's involved. Washington's run defense has been really good so far. Um, I know Saquon played a lot of snaps, but they did a good job on him. Obviously, they did a good job on Eckler in week one. So that's been a good run defense. Um, and the one concern I have for Buffalo is Josh Allen doesn't look as sharp so far. And maybe he hasn't had – well, I thought he did, and he had to in week one and didn't. He didn't have to in week two and really didn't. Let's see if they can get off the schneid here 
uh, Allen looking big, uh, like a big time quarterback in week three. Um, you might have ranked Allen. I mean, Allen was in the conversation to be the number one overall quarterback in fantasy football. Has not looked the part thus far. Just keep in mind, Washington got crushed on the ground by Daniel Jones last week. I wonder if the design quarterback run game will be part of what Josh Allen and the Bills do this week. Interesting. Also keep in mind Joe Dolan, who we got some nice YouTube comments about last week. For those of you that want to watch the show, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Joe Dolan is the man. It's the show that's so nice we do it twice. That'll wrap up episode one. We'll record episode two momentarily. Post it in your podcast app after midnight. Make sure you go to fantasypoints.com right now. Throw the code in 21FEAST and forward it to me when you do. Ross at RossTucker.com. I'm stuffed, but I still have room for six more games. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.